Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Okay, we are live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a moment while we bring in our Facebook community in its entirety, and we will get this party started. We are good welcome in everybody to mile high huddles 2021 nfl draft primer i'm your host chad jensen with me tonight as you can see on screen every single one of the podcast hosts here at mhh that you've come to know and love we are excited to go down the path of trying to help you and ourselves really hone in on the 2021 draft class tonight's show we're going to be mostly focusing on the first round We'll get to day two, day three, all that down the road in the very, very near future, get you primed for who those names are and what the fits are and all that. But tonight we're focusing on the first round. We're super excited to have each and every one of you with us and in the community. Can't wait to to get to your comments, to your questions. First of all, I got to go around the horn and say hey to everybody. Zach Kelberman, my partner on the Huddle Up podcast. Follow him on Twitter, as you can see on screen, at Kelberman NFL. Zach, what's good, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, Chad. This is like a Wednesday night NFL game. We're not used to podcasting on Friday nights, so it's, we're kind of out of our element. But to talk Broncos draft, talk Broncos football, can't get enough. Happy to be here. Happy to get going. We also have Eric Trickle, senior draft analyst. Been with MHH since day one, since it was founded. Of course, one of the co-hosts of Dove Valley Deep Divers. Eric, what's going on, my friend? You ready to finally let your hair down a little bit and talk some first round? Not that you've been uh, holding back so much on the draft, right? Hey, it's my favorite time of the year, and uh... – it's great that I'm finally able to talk about this without as much backlash as we t- typically get during the regular season when we end up talking about the draft. Yep. Yep, the time has come. Lance, his co-host, of course, on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Follow him on Twitter, at SandersonMHH. Lance, what's going on, bro? You ready for some uh, some draft talk? Uh, absolutely, man. First things first, mile high hello to everybody in Broncos country and welcome into what's supposed to be the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. No, I'm just playing. Uh, no, doing, doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be surrounded by my good friends and colleagues and our senior NFL draft analyst right above me here. So it, it's good to join everybody. I'm really excited for this. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. 
Of course, we've got the the two co-hosts of Building the Broncos. Been together now for well over 200 episodes on Building the Broncos. Nick Kendall, follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Kendall MHH. Nick, what's going on, bro? Hey, not too much. Just uh, draft season's here. Excited to get into it and have some good different opinions, you know, getting outside the echo chamber as it comes to the Broncos draft needs, where they should go, and that pick at number nine overall. Nick's longtime partner, Carl Dumbler. Follow him on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, co-host building the Broncos. Also been with been with me and MHH here a long time. I think we're on year four for both Nick and Carl. They they came in uh, just a couple months apart Something from like each other. Carl, yeah, what's going on? I along. I like I like that, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting to to get into another draft season. This is Nick's and my fifth draft season actually together. Four years together, fifth draft season. So, uh, yeah, lucky number five. I'm excited for it. And then we've got, of course, Luke Patterson, one of the co-hosts, along with Nick of Mile High Insiders. Follow Luke on Twitter, gang, at Luke Patterson LP. Luke, we're stoked to have you, of course, tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to your Senior Bowl coverage next week. But how are you doing this evening, my brother? I'm pumped, man. Forget Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's draft season. So uh, let's get it going, man. I'm pumped to be here, pumped to talk with all the hosts of the podcast from my high huddle. It's going to be a gas, guys. So let me just, for all of our, our listeners out there and, and viewers in the community, just to kind of give you a feel for what tonight's format is is going to look like, kind of how it's going to shake out. We're going to go through uh, around the horn. It's going to be a, a roundtable type of format. And each host is going to break down his five my guys for the Broncos at pick nine. All right. In case you missed it, Denver Broncos currently hold the number nine overall pick in the 2021 draft. So we're going to go around the horn and look at each guy's top five options for the Broncos at pick nine, have a little bit of discussion after each guy's draft card, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Now, along the way, you're going to have questions. We want your questions. We want your comments your super chats, get them in, and we are going to get to them at the end of the show or after we get through each guy's five uh, five my guy cards. So get them in the stream. John's going to be keeping an eye out. John's going to keep it all collected in one place so that we can attack it at the end of the show. But we really want to have a great time, and, and we're going to have a great time and let our hair down and uh, get this party started. But first, John, I'm going to do a uh, – we got to say hello to the presenting sponsor of tonight's live stream podcast and the sponsor of the entire 2021 NFL draft coverage manscape gang. It's 2020. It's in the, it's in the books. All right. Thank goodness that awful year is behind us. It's 2021, right? It's time for a new year, new me. What better way to symbolize that new year, new me mindset than with manscape, the number one option out there for men's below the waist grooming zach it's clutch for those guys looking to have the right little boost to kind of turn over that new leaf yeah i'm not going to put anyone on the spot tonight chad but we have multiple guys here joining us who can all attest to the same thing that no matter what if you want to talk about it out loud or not uh men's grooming isn't essential for looking good feeling good and there's no better way to do it than using a manscaped product i always want to show the nose hair trimmer chad the weed whacker i use it 
almost every other day. You know, I use it fairly consistently to clean up my ears, my nose, just my what you can see on camera. I, I feel better. I look better. And I definitely love these products. Anyone who's even thinking about male grooming who wants to clean up their appearance and, and turn over a new leaf for 2021. It's January. It's a new vibe. It's a new year. I would definitely recommend, as you would, as everyone would on this podcast, Manscaped. You got to step up your grooming, your, your grooming game. All right, and the way to do that, especially my favorite is the Lawnmower 3.0. You guys have seen me uh, flex this thing for the last couple of months. I would show you the light, but I'm kind of up in the corner. Not everyone's going to be able to make it out. But the Lawnmower 3.0, absolutely clutch for men's below the waist grooming because it kind of not only is it safe and it gets the job done without the nicks and the whatnot in those sensitive areas, but it's got a long lasting battery life and a light that illuminates kind of those places that are, are hard to see. So, Number one, first and foremost, what you got to do, gang, get on over to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code HUDDLE. Your uh, family jewels, as we'll say on this show. Well, thank you, Zach. Yes. Again, Broncos country, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off, guys, and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code HUDDLE. Happy New Year to you and your family jewels. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, gang, let's get this party started and dive right into the content. First and foremost, though, we got to start with the senior draft analyst, Eric Trickle. And the way we're going to do this, we're going to put the Twitter or the uh, the draft card on the screen. Everyone's going to see it. And uh, we'll disappear into the background and uh, we'll, we'll break this down. So one of the keys here that we wanted to do with this draft primer is we often get the complaint and we understand it, that as we start getting into draft season, our guys who are so knowledgeable, our draft analysts, so knowledgeable, they've been studying and breaking down these draft classes I mean, Eric's got started and Nick and Carl, all these, Luke, Lance, they got started on this class as soon as the 2020 draft was over. And so throughout the year, you hear these names get dropped here and there, this podcast, that podcast. Sometimes for fans, it's hard to kind of put it all together and zero in. So this is a a primer show designed to help you start connecting players, names, positions, teams, all that stuff. And we're going to start with Eric Trickles, five my guys for the Denver Broncos at pick nine. Now, Eric, 
I'm going to go through and list these real quick for those who might be listening after the fact as an on-demand podcast. And then I want to get your thoughts on each guy here, and we'll, we'll get some feedback from the dudes as well. But let's start with Joseph Asai, the, the uh, edge from, from Texas. You have ranked here at number one, the corner from Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, uh, the, the edge defense, I guess more of a defensive lineman, right, five tech. Uh, from Miami, Gregory Russo, Aziz Olujari, uh, I'm going to botch his name, another edge from, uh, from Georgia, and then the, the linebacker, Micah Parsons. So from Penn State, a lot of our listeners are pretty familiar with Micah Parsons. Zach and I talk about him quite a bit, and I'm sure you guys do as well. But, Eric, I, I heard you might have a little wrinkle here on your, your order as far as your, your top five guys. But go through each one of these guys for, for a second here and explain why you have them prioritized for the Broncos at pick nine. Now, starting with Joseph Osai out of Texas, he is a that hybrid type that he can kind of drop into coverages and play certain coverages for you as well as getting after the quarterback. He still has a lot to go in the terms of getting after the quarterback, but he's rather solid. And he can be that hybrid player that Vic Fangio had when he was in Chicago with Leonard Floyd, kind of the guy that they hoped that Justin Hollins could be, just that hybrid type that you can drop into coverage and and have as a pass rusher. It's going to take some development, as I said, the technique is not completely raw, but it still has, is a work in progress. And his his handwork is actually pretty solid and has a good basis for it to continue to work on and develop there. Caleb Farley, to me, he's the top corner in this, and he's just a great athlete. He's the of the top guys. He's the best scheme fit, much better than the guy out of Alabama. Yeah, there, there's no question that you can get him and make him fit. And Vic Fangio has shown that he really likes to get those scheme fits at corner. Um Supremely athletic, as I said. Still, there's some medical concerns with him after dealing with some injuries during his um, past. And there was some technical refinement that needed to be seen, but he opted out this year. And so we're not, we didn't get a chance to see that. And now with the scouting combine, that being limited, it's going to be even harder for him to show that refinement that's needed. Still has the highest upside, I think, of all the corners in this. And it just all comes from him being a great athlete. Aziz Ojolari, he's got that athleticism to turn the corner, to bend that corner, um, flexible ankles to get that 45-degree angle that you want to get to get underneath tackles arms. I, I do wish he was a little bit heavier and a little bit stronger. He come, He's probably going to come in about a little bit under 250. And uh, you, you just want to get stronger because he can sometimes get wiped out of the play when it comes against the run and trying to set and hold the edge there. Uh, I, I like him, though. Um, he's one that at nine, I think that would be a – a kind of a little early. I think all these edges really, and there'd be more of a trade down option, which I think is with the way Denver ends up going. They end up trading down, getting a couple more picks and Ojolari and Osai and even Russo all can be fits. Now with Russo, he's another guy who opted out. He had a lot that he needed to work on and his game in college has been very much relying on the athleticism and his length, not much technique there. There's some questions about where you kind of line him up at. I think he's got a versatile skill set on where you can have him attack from and just develop those hands, develop the technique a little bit. And he could be dangerous off the edge. And with, with Vic Fangio's scheme, depending on what happens with Von Miller, if they keep him or not, it, it, I think that Russo is a much better fit if they keep Von Miller to kind of work as that number three rusher with Malik Reed as the four guy and just developing Russo for a year under Von Miller before eventually stepping into potentially being the starter there uh, as you get that technique built up. He's all right against the run. Still has some technical work that he needs to do there. Uh, just, again, he relies on that athleticism so much. And the strength is is not always on display, which just ends up being an issue against the run. 
Then there's Micah Parsons, who there's some there's some character stuff there with him, uh, some hazing stuff at school that's been known about for a while. Then there, apparently I've been hearing that there's some issues with coaching and taking to coaching. And I think it was Bucky Brooks said today that um, the light may, he's not sure if you'd bet on the light uh, turning on for him in the NFL or something along those lines. Now I with, with Micah Parsons, my issue has always been the limitations he's shown in coverage. I don't think he's that true off ball linebacker right away. I think you can work with him and develop him because he's got the athleticism, but it's, he's got to be willing to learn what's needed to be better in coverage. And right away, I think his best role in Vic Fangio's defense would be kind of filling in what Alexander Johnson does that great run defender who could be used as a blitzer and used with limited in limited coverage schemes. And it's, it just all comes down to, is he going to take to the coaching is he gonna is he gonna have that conflict with coaches that I've heard that he's had at Penn State, among many other concerns about him? That might be a little bit risky. He's one. He is the biggest one here. That at nine, I, a couple weeks ago, before I really started hearing about this stuff, um, I'm not kind of hazing that I was confident about being okay with at nine, but more and more, the more I hear, the less confident I am in making him the pick because it's just one of those things that uh, it, it takes a lot. It's betting on him and betting on him growing as a person. And a lot of times in the NFL, we just don't see that. Um, but maybe after a trade down, I think that he'd probably be looking. I, I don't think he'd get past the Raiders. So if Denver just makes a small, small trade back, if they wanted Parsons, that'd be a place to go. Um, but it's going to be one that they're going to have to do a lot of character vetting for. All right. Let me, uh, let me get some feedback from the dudes here. And I'll start with, I'll start with your partner, Lance, as far as a lot of Broncos fans they have their hearts set on Micah Parsons and, and Eric obviously just um, addressed a few concerns that might be out there about Micah Parsons. What's your take on that? And obviously any, any uh, insights from Eric's five, my guys. Really the biggest thing to me is uh, his ability to move vertically in a backwards fashion. So dropping into coverage, into zone coverage and stuff like that. You don't see that a lot with him at Penn state. I'm going to address this here in just a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you don't see him moving backwards more so. He's a really good fit in the run scheme and does a really good job as a blitzer as well. He can move sideline to sideline, height, weight, speed, athleticism kind of a guy. Um, he is actually on on the my top five, my guys, but I'm going to move away in a different direction on that uh, based on some of the stuff that I'm hearing coming out of uh, the, the personal stuff like that. Um, as far as a fit with what the Broncos want to do, I, I see Micah Parsons as probably the best linebacker in this class, and he's definitely a fit for what the Broncos want to do. But also at the same time, uh, that inability to drop back into coverage and zone and get depth uh, vertically while still moving backwards and then click and close moving forward. You just don't see that on tape with him. And with him opting out this last year, I really have a big question as to if he can actually do that. I think he's got the sideline to sideline athletic ability, but still, I just, I, I don't know about him moving vertically backwards. Carl, I know you had something you wanted to say about uh, the five guys from, from Eric. Well, I, I just think, uh, something that I was going to point out is you, you're going to see a lot of great athletes in all of our lists. I mean, any guy going top nine is going to be a pretty good athlete. But this year, you've got some great athletes. Yeah. And you got some guys who have flashes. But part of the the real risk of this draft coming up is with some of these guys opting out, having some, t- some of them only six or seven games to perform. Uh, you're going off of hoping that you can turn an athlete into a football player. And so I'm thinking of like Osai with Texas. Uh, he had a great bowl game, one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen. But then you start watching some of his other games and you're just like, okay, where is he? He should be much better than this. 
and some of the other guys as well. Micah Parsons had a great bowl game last year. But there's other games where you're going, oh, man, he is completely flushed out of the play. And, and so it is. It's a high-risk draft here for 2021 just because of everything that's gone on. And, and even more now that we're not going to have a combine possibly, uh, some of these not, guys not getting to the senior bowl. So it's just kind of a, a crazy time. But uh, like I said, all these guys are just incredible freak athletes. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep the ball rolling here for a second and uh, get to Lance's top five guys. Uh, my five, my guys, I, I should say, at uh, pick nine for the Denver Broncos. Eric's partner on Dove Valley Deep Divers, Lance Sanderson. Let me just list these off real quick. He's sharing a brain with Eric on Osai, uh, the edge from Texas. Caleb Farley, uh, the corner from from uh, Virginia Tech. Russo, Gregory Russo, the the defensive lineman slash, I guess, edge. I don't know. I've seen him classified in a lot of different ways. From Miami, Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State, and then. The first quarterback making one of these five my guy lists, Zach Wilson, at uh, from from BYU. So Lance, do your thing. Talk about each one of these guys uh, in a nutshell. Why they're they're there for you at nine. And this is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. I think fans want to know what you're thinking here on, on Zach Wilson. Well, it's it's really easy to see it with Zach Wilson. He just pops off the tape. I mean, there's legitimate arm talent. The, the ball just jumps out of his hand. He's got nice nice touch in the intermediate area. Um, he's a really good athlete. There's some footwork issues that he's going to have to work through. Um, but still, he throws off of a pretty good flat uh, platform more often than not. Um, it, it's a coachable thing, and that's something that you're going to have to just kind of deal with. But he still succeeds being off-platform, and despite his feet being wonky at times, because that arm talent is just so spectacular. He's not scared of pressure. Uh, he'll hang in tough. He's not scared to take off and run if he has to and extend the play, push the ball down the field vertically. Um, he's got some pretty solid eye manipulation as well. Uh, the, the questions about him as far as the level of competition, they're – a little bit overrated in my mind because it's BYU guys. It's not like we're, we're talking about him playing at Alabama and playing the Citadel. It's, it's BYU going against uh, coastal Carolina, who at one time was very close to being a top 10 team. As far as the AP rankings this year, they had a really good defense as well. Yeah. He struggled, but he also had a 90 yard touchdown taken off the board there. Um, the, the, the biggest thing here is, will he be there? I, and I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be. So the Broncos might have to make a move to go and get the guy. Um, look towards that uh, the Carson Wentz trade where the Philadelphia Eagles traded up from number eight to number two. So that's kind of the baseline that you're going to want to look at as far as maybe making a move to go and get him. And as far as the why here, if you don't know, then you know. I've, I've said it multiple times on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. If you don't know, now you know, to quote the uh, notorious B.I.G. here. 
With the quarterback position, if you don't know that you have the guy, which is where we're at with Drew Locke, then you know you don't have the guy, at least for right now. So you got to keep swinging there. Uh, Wilson has the goods to be a, at least a legit player in this league. I think he can be a, a, a top 10 quarterback as well. Uh, even after wait for him to, to come around to the speed of the game. Um, it, it's also a contingency issue. With Locke, you're probably going to go into 2021 with him uh, in tow and see if he can develop. But if Locke doesn't develop, now you have a guy that's sat in the waiting and has gotten that 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 NFL level coaching to see if he can show and show the guy or not. It's a future move to me. Now, uh, with Gregory Rousseau, uh, echoing a lot with what Eric said here, I had him actually as number four. Um, he's just built different. This guy is super long. He's super athletic, big trunk. Uh, he's got a lot of leverage advantages because he does get a really nice pad level down. And he, he, you can see him all over the, all over the place. He'll, he'll line up at a one technique. He'll line up at, at a five, at a seven, nine, he, get out wide, rush the passer. There's a lot of different things that you can do with him, but he's just so raw. And that's the biggest thing. There's not a lot of hand fight technique. He does rely a lot on that length and the elite athleticism that he does have. He's like, quite honestly, when you watch him, it's almost like when you watch Kevin Durant in the NBA come out, they're just a super incredibly long arms and he uses them to his advantage so much. Um, he's a good edge setter and I love the the length and his strength. He doesn't get bottled up very much in the running game. He won't get bullied downfield. But the problem is I'm just so scared of him because he's so raw but I also love him because of the tools and the traits that he does have. I really wanted to see him in 2020, but at the same time, you just, you, you don't really, obviously you don't get that opportunity. So there's a lot of projection there, but echoing what Eric said with Vaughn and Bradley Chubb, you can wait for him to develop for a couple of years. Now this is the one that's going to kind of get at everybody. I have Micah Parsons on this. And when I wrote this, this was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and as I said, before we got into my five guys, uh, Simply put, he's the best linebacker in the class. I'm going to drop him off of this list here, and I'm going to go in a different direction. And, Chad, you'll remember when I talked to you about this first. I had uh, wide receiver Jalen Waddell out of Alabama, and the reason why I had him there is just the explosive potential as a boundary receiver. Uh, despite his size, he's not necessarily the biggest guy. Uh, he's a high-quality route runner, has good speed variation into and out of his breaks. Uh, his large catch radius, even though he's a smaller frame, he's not scared to get his hands outside of his framework and go and pluck balls out of the area. And his hands are actually really good, so I, I like him there. Um, the ankle injury kind of scares me, but at the same time, you can address that, check it out, and, and vet that and see what he's going to do coming out as far as, uh, as far as his health goes. But the other thing that brings me uh, to his attention is the fact that he's an explosive kick returner and punt return. I mean, he averaged like what, 24 yards per punt return, uh, 35 per kick return and had a touchdown in both aspects at Alabama. Um, I think there's going to be some issues in, in press man coverage, but he can, he can work with that. Some hand fighting technique that he does uh, fairly well there. So I'm not going to put him at three. I would put him at five, but I am going to drop Micah Parsons off of my board just because of the red flags. I mean, there are allegations going back to Penn State about some sexual misconduct stuff that happened on some hazing things that happened. He has an assault allegation as well. Um, and just the, the immaturity issues that you have with him. So I, I'm going to drop him off of my five guys. And this is all some new stuff that I'm just learning about as well. Um, to get to Caleb Farley here, again, as Eric says, he's the best scheme fit of any of the top cornerbacks over J.C. Horn out of uh, South Carolina, out of over Patrick Sertan. Um, 
I would probably put him even a little bit over Eric Stokes, who I like a lot. And I know Carl likes a lot as well. But the thing is, he's extremely patient in his backpedal. And he does very well moving backwards. He's fluid out of his brakes. And something that you don't necessarily hear a lot of about hip fluidity is their ability to plant that back foot and drive forward without dropping their back back. They keep a nice back angle. And Caleb Farley does a really good job of that, keeping his hips and being able to drop back and sink them in his back step. And then kick that back step forward, flip them forward, and keep his back angle linear and drive forward on the ball. It's a very good click and close athlete. Not the best tackler, but he's not scared to get his nose in there and and get dirty in the running game. Um, top level athlete, and I think he can turn and run and and play some press man stuff. I didn't see that a lot in the tape that I did see, but he definitely has the closing speed necessary to rebound if, if he does get beat. And he's got very physical hands at the catch point. He's not scared to get up there and get get dirty. The the other thing is, is this another guy that you didn't see him play in 2020? So you got to just kind of question that development. But the cornerback need on this team, as far as the depth is concerned, I mean, A.J. Bouye is likely not coming back. Uh, Bryce Callahan has, has injury issues. Uh, Asang Bassey is coming off a torn ACL. The Broncos need a legit number one corner, and Caleb Farley has that ability. And, I, I mean, I, I, I think he might be limited to boundary only just because I question his hip fluidity as far as turn and run situations where he's going to be in press man stuff. But that's fine in this scheme, especially because you have Bassey and Callahan that can play in the slot. Now, my number one guy, and again, like Eric said, versatility. This guy can do it pretty much all. And I'm going to go back just a little bit here. He started playing linebacker position off the ball at Texas and was uh, off-ball linebacker in 2019 and really lined up all over the formation. Uh, he played some will. He played in the slot a little bit, did a really good job dropping back in his depth. He understands the angles and the routes around him. Um he actually had a really good game against TCU in 2019 where he lined up off ball, uh, blitzed a few times, had 10 tackles all over the field. He switched to edge full-time in 2020, uh, became a dominant uh, force in the, in, the, in the passing game, had five sacks last year uh, against Oklahoma State. He had 12 total tackles, three sacks, a forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. So this is, there's, there's a lot to like about this guy. Um, to break him down a little bit, he's a really good athlete and a fluid mover, and I like the fact that he understands how to drop back in his depth. He's not a great bender, but he has really good counter moves with his hand fighting. It, like He sets himself up. It, the, the way that he lines up on the ball is not like your typical edge rusher with one foot back, hands down at the sides. He actually lines up square to the line of scrimmage and gets his hands out in front of him, so he's ready to fight with his hands right off the bat. That can lead to some issues of him getting off the snap a little bit late, but his hands never stop moving, and he doesn't get lashed on easily in the running game. However, the biggest thing is when he does get off the snap in the running game, he gets upfield a little bit too quickly, and he doesn't set a firm edge. Um, but at the same time, he does well enough to to disengage from the blocker in front of him, come back down the field, and make a play. Like, just, uh, like uh, Eric said, this kid's Justin Hollins and everything that they wanted Justin Hollins to be only a lot more refined in his technique and everything. I think he could play off ball. I really do. I think he could play off ball at the next level. He might be a little bit slow at that aspect, but he's a lot more athletic than Josie Jewell is. And to me, you line him up off ball and you let him play off ball and learn as a rotational edge defender and then take over for Vaughn because he's a perfect replacement for Vaughn Miller. He can play on right, both right. balls. Hold on, Lance. I got to jump in. We're going. We're, we're getting a little too much filibuster. It's all good information. We're dropping knowledge here. I love it. We got to keep it mo moving a little bit. Keep the conversation going. I know as you were talking about uh, a couple of these guys 
Nick, you had something that, that you wanted to uh, jump in on. Yeah, for me, I, I'll be honest. I went in really trying to like Joseph Asai, and I just did not see the twitch or the movement skills for a guy that I'd want at nine overall. Now, I will say I do think he is an awesome scheme fit for this defense. And if you are trading back into the 20s and Osai is there, I'm interested. But I feel like a lot of his, again, Carl made a good point, that bowl game against Utah, a lot of stats, but a lot of it is hustle plays, pursuit. And there's a lot of plays where I just, I don't see the, the elite athleticism that you want for an edge rusher. And that's kind of the, the kicker with this whole entire edge class. You know, there's not really a guy that is a for sure top 10, top 15 edge rusher, but a lot of good day two depth. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I went in wanting to like Osai more than I did coming out of it. While the, you can definitely hammer on the scheme fit. I just think a lot of his plays are in pursuit. I don't think he is that caliber of athlete to be a no doubt top 10 pick. At least when I watched. Gotcha. Eric, uh, your thoughts, my friend, and then uh, we'll we'll turn to the next card. You're muted, buddy. You're muted, brother. He's conscientious. See, he's paying attention. It's good. Now, I just want to be clear, since Lance, you were kind of long-winded. You took one <laughs> out and you put in you put in another uh, player. Who was that player again? Uh, Jalen Waddle. All right, Speed, that's baby. what I thought it was. And I know a lot of people are going to sit here and immediately throw this off. Um, and shrug it off and everything, but Denver does have a potential issue coming to the future of their wide receiver class. Roland Sutton is coming off an injury, and he's a free agent after next season. Tim Patrick, he's a restricted free agent now. There's some talk that he may not be back this year, depending on if another team gives him an offer, and that just creates a depth. I mean, I know they just drafted Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in the first two rounds last year, and but one big thing that a lot of teams look to do is try to keep strengths a strength, Wide receiver has been was a strength this last year, somewhat, uh, just because of uh, only because of Sutton's injury. Uh, but it would be going and doing that and adding a different kind of skill set to this offense that they don't really have. And when you're looking at receivers, you always want that. Now, I do think that number nine or first round is really early to go get that, but it's not a, it's not a bad pick for what the Broncos have. And if they're running it back with Drew Locke, adding yet another weapon for him to try to utilize and maximize his ability. It's not a bad way to go. I'd rather them see go a tight end and go with more two tight end sets out of this because what we saw when we saw Locke at his best was when they were operating out of two tight end sets. All right. Next up, we're going to grab Nick. But before we grab Nick, very, very quickly, we got to say thank you to another one of tonight's sponsors of this 2021 NFL Draft Primer, sportsbetting.com. Zach, drop some knowledge on us. Yes, guys, as you may well know, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. And here, and if you're looking to make watching your favorite sports a little more interesting, sportsbetting.com is your no-brainer destination. And here's why. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party service. They have reduced juice and the best prices you will find of any competitor out there. Also, hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover, which means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time, whereas other sites range from 5 to 30 times. So big difference there. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. You are always getting a real person in the U.S. when you contact sportsbetting.com. Never a robot, never someone overseas, always someone right here in the good old U.S. of A. Here's the kicker, though. Right now, after you make your first deposit, sportsbetting.com will double your deposit up to $300. That's $300 in free bet credits. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash huddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash huddle, and capitalize on up to $300 in free bet credits and start 2021 off on the right foot. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. All right, let's keep this conversation moving. We'll grab Nick Kendall's top five my guys, I guess, for the Denver Broncos at nine. And I know there's also for Nick, he had a little wrinkle here. So, Nick, as we go through, I'm going to list these just for those listening after the fact. And as you go through and talk about each one of these guys, I think it'd be good as, as we're going through this format, you know, the we're, we're learning as we go the best way to make this compelling. As much as we can, traits and everything, great. We want to hear them. Let's try and keep it as dialed into to the Broncos, too, as possible, like how they fit and whatnot. But real quick, here's Nick's initial, but he has a wrinkle. Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Caleb Farley, corner, Virginia Tech. Patrick Sertan, corner, Alabama. Aziz Old uh, Ojulari, geez, I always botch his name. Uh, Edge. From Georgia, and then the quarterback Zach Wilson, BYU, as uh, number five. But Nick, talk to us. Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't want to go down what Lance said too much, but I am a Drew Locked Outer, I guess you could say. I mean, he is in the bottom of so many statistical categories. He's going to be 25 this year. You have multiple seasons of injuries now. The Broncos are picking top nine in a class with four guys that I think would go top 10 in any class. And while Zach Wilson is the quarterback who is featured here, I also really, really like Trey Lance. I also really, really like Justin Fields. And I think if the Broncos fall in love with any of those guys, they should consider moving up and going and getting that guy. If that means moving up to two, moving up to three, moving up to four, you know, go do it. So I think, I mean, Drew Locke, that doesn't mean I'm out on Drew Locke, but you only have two years left of control on Drew Locke versus five years for these guys. And you have a new, uh, a new head coach or a new general manager coming in. So if you love one of these quarterbacks, you shouldn't be afraid of resetting the clock whether they are developmental or not. It's just, it's, it's a smart play, especially for a team like the Broncos right now, their offense is set up to go. Now the nest is built and, you know, don't be afraid of swinging and missing because quarterback is a poop shoot as it is in general. If you love a guy, go in on him. Don't be afraid. Um, so that's my number one. I, Zach Wilson's a guy who's listed, but I also really like Justin Fields. He's my number three. I also really like Trey Lance. He's my number four. Uh, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, but I, I don't care. I really like all these quarterbacks. I'm not a Mac Jones guy at all. I think you have to have a requisite level of arm talent and athleticism to develop in today's game. He does not have that. So I'm out on Mac Jones. He might be good elsewhere. Just not for me, but I love all three of those quarterbacks and obviously Trevor Lawrence Broncos aren't getting him. So now my other guys here, Micah Parsons. I really like Micah Parsons athleticism. He's kind of like what Saquon Barkley was at running back as far as just a different breed of athlete that you see at the linebacker position. I remember a few years ago, the Broncos were very interested, or at least the the fandom and surrounding them were interested in the Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush. I think Micah Parsons is a bigger and better athlete than either of those guys. Now, that being said, he's more raw. He played tailback, running back in high school. He came in as an edge rusher, and now he's playing linebacker. A lot of the processing stuff is just a tick slow, and he can overcome that with his athleticism, but you question that. I mean, it's it's more important to have a linebacker not blowing assignments and over 
overshooting than having a great athlete at that second level. Cause then you're leaving yourself very vulnerable for big plays, especially against the RPO heavy uh, trick plays of the Kansas city chiefs. So I love Parsons athleticism, a lot of off field concerns, leadership, character, a couple of assaults out there. I mean, it's just stuff where, you know, it's really giving me Ruben Foster vibes. And if you guys recall him, he was like, Oh, no doubt. Top 10 pick, blah, blah, blah. Freaks out at the combine. He's had like multiple incidents since then. It just scares the heck out of me. I mean, I don't know him personally. It's pure hearsay, uh, but no doubt I am concerned there. My number one guy for the Broncos that I am hoping for outside of the quarterbacks, I'll be completely honest with you. My big board would go one, two, three, four quarterback, because if you don't have a guy, you're not doing anything in the league. Just look who's playing. Who's who's still left standing. All those teams have elite quarterbacks. If you don't have one, you're done. Um, so the Broncos, my number one guy, non-quarterback, uh, Caleb Farley. I love the athleticism. He is not a great tackler, and sometimes his angles in the run game are suspect. But if you have a guy with the length and the ball skills and the ability to stick on a guy's hip that Caleb Farley has, I mean, he's going to go early. Uh, I know that last year I probably was a little bit too hard on CJ Henderson's tackling, but uh, for Farley, it's not so much a – he doesn't have the issues with a want to for tackling. I just think it's a raw issue. He's also extremely intelligent. He played quarterback in high school, came into Virginia tech as a wide receiver, trans translating to cornerback, a uh, massive ceiling. Uh, and I wouldn't be afraid to swing on that guy just because the tools are so great. Uh, next I have Patrick Sertan. I've been back and forth on Patrick Sertan. And the thing that has me uh, going here with him in this pick here is he's about as safe as it gets. Now I don't think he is the best scheme fit for the Broncos here in that is important. Uh, he does not have, he's an okay, he's a fine athlete, but he doesn't have great Twitch. You know, he's not very explosive in his movements and guys who can separate quickly can get separation from him just because he's not the most explosive mover. Uh, but you know, in a year where there's so much uncertainty, so many guys opted out, you're not going to have the combine, uh, who knows what, how much work you're going to get individually with these guys. Sertan is very, very safe. And Ozzie Newsom, one of the best general managers of the last decade, uh, really was, he preached hitting doubles in the draft. And Patrick Sertan, he may not be a home run, but I think he would be a double. So I don't love him at nine, uh, but because of the scheme fit, but still, I think it's a very safe pick. And Aziz Ojolari, I'm going to be honest, he's going to end up being my edge number one. He's not for every scheme, but as the counterpart to Bradley Chubb in the Vic Fangio scheme, I don't think there's one better in this class. He's a, he is a little light, but I really think that looking at Fangio historically, he's looked for a little bit more of a finesse pass rusher with speed and a guy who can drop back uh, paired with a more power rusher, a pocket pusher. You have your pocket pusher. You have your power guy in Bradley Chubb. Now you get Aziz Ojolari out there playing that, you know, the lighter side, the the will, if you will, he can drop back in coverage. He's actually really good in space. He's made some plays where you see a guy come out in the flat and you see Aziz Ojolari looking like a safety coming downhill. Uh, he's got, I know he's a little light and there'll be some questions there as far as his ability to maintain the edge in the run game. But I think he's got very strong hands. He's got great bend. He's twitched up. And uh, I think as he works and adds counters, he's going to become that much better. So I like all those guys. Also, I want to, before we move out of here, Daniel Jeremiah, mock drafty here, uh, was out today. And he had the Broncos passing on um, Penny Sewell at uh, nine overall to go to the Dallas Cowboys at 10. Obviously, a lot of people would say, oh, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. I think I've been covering, we've all been covering the draft long enough where you speak in definitives like that. You're going to make yourself look like a fool. Yep. Uh, the NFL does seem like they like Rashawn Slater as much, if not more than Penny Sewell. It's he's neck and neck. So if the Broncos, you know, if Penny Sewell's there at nine, I know they are on the books for Juwan James, but as far as I'm concerned, that's, you know, that's sunken cost. Penny Sewell's there. I'm thinking about it as well and uh, continuing to strengthen the offensive line. I mean, we just heard uh, Peyton say that the lifeblood of a team is continuing to build the trenches. If you have a chance to get Sewell to kick him at right tackle with Bulls, you'd have to consider it. 
Luke, I want to serve this over to you because I know you had something to say on on Nick's five guys here, but I just want to remind everybody, uh, smash the like button. If you like what you're hearing, support what we're doing, or best organic way to do it, just like the video, especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook. And then also, we see all your super chats. We see your questions. We are going to get to them. Trust, we're going to get to them. So stay with us on this. But Luke, uh, what's on your mind with regard to your reaction to some of what Nick had to say with his five guys? I like a lot of it, man. Just like I like Patrick Strickland the second. Who doesn't? Uh, 6'2", 202 pounds. I know he's not necessarily a zone corner that Vic Fangio would want, but maybe he's the corner that the Broncos need. Um, obviously, Virginia Tech, the young guy there, Caleb Farley, got mocked to the Denver Broncos with Daniel Jeremiah's draft at nine today. I think the Eagles actually were mocked in DJ's draft to pick up Caleb Farley with Virginia Tech. So it just goes to show you how good these corners are. Um, I'm excited to get out there and see some corners in day two and day three a little bit with the senior bowl. But when we start talking about Micah Parsons, for me, man, this is a generational talent at linebacker. I completely understand the character concerns and uh, in no way, shape or form am I trying to diminish them, uh, nor do I have the facts. But when you look at teams around the NFL, the NFL is about winning. It plain and simple. And I could point out several players playing in the AFC championship uh, that have character concerns as well. There's always going to be character character concerns with some of these guys, including some Denver Broncos right now who may and may not be on the roster next year. Uh, Parsons for me, that's a generational talent. If he's there, you've got to grab him. Good stuff, Eric. I know you had a, something to say as well. Yeah, I got a few things. And um, one of them about Micah Parsons here is that, I mean, yeah, you, you can see a lot of successes with players that have character concerns, but there's just as many that have failed, and those character concerns are one. And Nick dropped one of them with Ruben Foster. And one thing that I said, I was actually talking to Lance about this before we went live, and while he wasn't a linebacker, the Micah Parsons, he's either going to end up being Ruben Foster, that really good, really great talented linebacker that just fails because he can't keep from fighting with other with teammates, with coaches, and all the and well, with Foster, it was drug issues, but uh, or he's going to be Sap, who was a great defensive lineman that had all these character yeah, issues coming out and just put it aside and just played. It's one or the other with Micah Parsons, really, is what it's really sounding to be like. And then uh, Nick also mentioned about Rashawn Slater being liked a little bit more or just about the same as Ben Sewell. And all throughout there, too, is I've heard a lot of conversations about Elijah Vera Tucker being way up there for a lot of teams. I know that there's a couple of them that are picking in the top 15 that really like what he brings, especially with that versatility and that Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia tech, that there's a lot of people who there's a uh, lot of people out there who have him as a number, their number one offensive tackle even. And I know at least one person works for an NFL team who has that. So, and then the last point is that with Zach Wilson and quarter and quarterback and drew lock, not to dump on drew lock or anything like that, but in just every single stati- advanced statistical category, Drew Locke is in the bottom five for just about every single one. There's only one that he isn't, and that's what he did off of play action where he was in the top five. And when you look at the whole things as a whole, that play action set's kind of an outlier. Um, maybe he can turn it around with if things are normal and everything, but with his age, with where we're at and everything like that, it's just not the safe bet. Also, things aren't going to be normal. We're talking yeah. about no OTAs this year. I mean, who knows what it looks like? I just, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's more of an opportunity cost as it is opposed to dunking on Drew Locke. Fair point. Let's get to Carl Dumbler, five my guys. We're sitting here just real quick, lay of the land, everybody. We're sitting here about 41 minutes into our broadcast. We're sitting 
pretty right now as far as time. So we're at a good pace here. Carl, number one, looks like you've got a quarterback, Mr. Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I'm going to list this for our podcast listeners on the on the back end. Micah Parsons, linebacker. Uh, Quiddy Pay, edge from, from uh, Michigan. Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia Tech. And Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman. I guess he's more of a tackle. I don't know. You guys tell me on, on him. I haven't studied him much. But, Carl, talk about your five guys and, and why you're pounding the table when the Broncos are, are on the clock at pick nine for one of these guys. All right. Well, so with Trey Lance, I mean – Right now, I still have him as my quarterback four, but kind of like Nick said earlier, of uh, right now it's one, two, three, four for quarterback. Trey Lance is the guy that I could maybe see making it to pick nine. Uh, otherwise, I mean, if I if I had the choice, I'd take Zach Wilson. He's my number two, uh, and then of course I like Justin Fields as well. And I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the the dream above all dreams, but that's never going to happen. But I do. I love Trey Lance. I love. What we're seeing in the NFL today is really just this huge transition in, at the quarterback position. The last five years, you look at the the last five drafts, the quarterbacks that have been successful are the guys that have some athleticism, that have big arms, can make plays off script. Trey Lance shows that uh, in ways that, uh, that a lot of quarterbacks just cannot do. He rushed for 1,000 yards when he was 19 years old in college football. And I just want us to, to kind of think about that of, of uh, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that talked about this of, you know, those guys who are doing it when they're 22, when they're a senior. Yeah, it's great. But if you see a 19 year old do it, it is that much more impressive. And this kid went out there, uh, put up huge stats, protected the football. That's another thing when we're talking about going from like Drew Locke to a Trey Lance, a guy that protects the football, doesn't lead the league in interceptions. Not saying that he won't throw some interceptions, uh, but I'm just saying that there's a big difference there in the way that he goes about his game. And uh, so I, I really like Trey Lance. He needs some development, but at the same time, I keep saying Drew Locke needs development. <laughs> so for those who are really pounding the table for staying with Drew Locke, uh, giving him that chance to develop, well, that's exactly what you'd be doing with a, a rookie quarterback as well. Uh, Micah Parsons, I'm kind of like the other guys. I, I was reading up on the the court case against him right now. It is bad. I mean, we're talking teammate had to pull a knife to keep Micah Parsons away from him. So I just want, I know that athleticism is great, but it really is bad. It would not surprise me if he does not get drafted in the first round. Uh, there's even worse things than that, that I could, I'm not going to say I'm on air, but, uh, but just do some research on that. The player Yes, worth the risk. The character, not worth the risk at pick nine. Uh, Quiddy Pay, love this kid. Love, love, love him. He's my he's my top off ball or outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he has a motor that just never quits. The guy has been starting since he was a freshman in college for Michigan, which is a great defensive group. Uh, he's maybe not the the most refined by any means, but you can move him around. They played him at nose tackle. They played him at three tech, five tech, seven tech. They, they moved him all over the place to get the best matchup possible. This is the guy that is going to get those, uh, uh, those coverage sacks at times because he never quits, but he also has some explosive first step ability. Uh, I know he was on, uh, I can't remember the guy's name that does the freaks list, but he was on that list as one of the, the top freaks. He's a little bit small, short wise, but he's got long arms to keep defenders off of him. At the very least, he is a great run defender. 
day one, you are getting yourself one of the best run def- edge run defenders in, in this draft. I mean, I'd say he is the best, but uh, I love that. Caleb Farley, of course, all of us have had him on the list. Just another freak athlete, guy that's 6'2", can run a 4'3", 40. Uh, he's one of the few guys you're going to see be able to keep up with the Henry Ruggs, with uh, Tyreek Hill. He can do that, and he's bigger than them. Uh, and so great guy to bring in to try to, to build up. Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, guys were talking about, or Eric was just talking about him not just too long ago. Love his game. A lot of people are kind of questioning whether he's going to be able to be a tackle or a guard. Uh, played left tackle there for uh, – for USC, I thought he looked great. I think he can handle uh, being at the tackle spot. We'll see how long his arms are and everything else. But I, I think he has one of those transitional games where wherever you need him to play, he can go play and he'll play at a high level. He's got great feet, great athlete. He's got a strong punch. I, I just, I really, really love what he brings to the table. All right. <clears throat> I got I to gotta jump in here real quick on Trey Lance. Zach, we haven't talked too much yet as far as our thoughts on on the, the five guys, and we'll get we'll get to our turn here. But what you we've had now a couple of our our draft analysts mention Trey Lance for the Broncos at pick nine. I want your take on the on the prospect of of Lance perhaps being there because we're seeing all these latest mocks. You're seeing Zach Wilson going at pick two is high, right behind uh, Lawrence. So if you're if there's if the Broncos were of a mind to get a quarterback this year, it might the one they might have the actual most realistic shot at could be Lance as far as the top four, let's say. Yeah. I mean, as well, probably not there. I think he will be there, but personally I wouldn't take him. There's just too much bust potential. And I think the Broncos have a little PTSD still from Paxton Lynch. I don't think Zach Wilson will be there, even though like I agree with most, he is my quarterback too in this year's draft class. I just, and I'll get to my point in a second. I just don't see George Payton taking a first round quarterback chat. I don't see him, going against the status quo with Drew Locke in year one as GM. If Locke doesn't work out this year, he'll have carte blanche to get his own quarterback in next year's draft. You could argue the quarterback talent isn't as good next year as opposed to this year. I just realistically don't see uh, George Payton pulling the trigger. If he did, though, Lance, there's some there's some pros. There's some also downsides there. It's a high-risk, high-reward prospect that I don't think George Payton realistically would touch. Carl, did we get all five guys? Did, were you able to get to each guy? I hope I didn't catch up. Okay. Yeah, I, I think right. I got to each of them. Uh, I, I do want to make one quick comment there to, to Zach's thought. Yep. Yep. Uh, the reason I believe that Trey stands much better chance than a Paxton Lynch, intelligence. The kid is one of the hardest working college players that I've read about. Uh, they, they talked about he would actually do film cut-ups for his, his wide receivers, tight ends, running backs to show them what the defense is trying to do. Uh, he would put in the extra work. He'd be the film guy <laughs> for the team. If he had to. Uh, and, and so that, that's why some of that risk is worth it for me because I see the work ethic that this kid has to be great. All right, let's keep this going. We'll get to Luke, who's waited patiently. Luke Patterson, co-host of Mile High Insiders. Let me just read these for those listening on demand. Luke's list, Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Here's a new name that we haven't heard mentioned quite yet. J.C. Horn, corner out of South Carolina. Patrick Sertan, corner, Alabama. Zach Wilson, the quarterback, BYU. And then Quiddy Pay, the edge from uh, Michigan. So, Luke, talk to us. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. It's about your five guys and why you're passionate about them. Pound on the table for one o'clock while the Broncos go on the clock. Yeah, I said it earlier. I think Micah Parsons, for me, is just a generational talent. He's 6'3", 245 pounds, junior out of Penn State. Uh, Nick Kendall talked about it a little bit ago. I mean, this guy was a running back and slash defensive end, even returning punts in high school. So the athleticism is definitely there. He's very versatile. He's got some exceptional closing speed. He's aggressive. I like his eyes. And I like the fact that he likes to fight offensive linemen and fullbacks. Uh, he welcomes that aggression. He absolutely is is just one of those linebackers for me that, uh, yeah, he could play outside, but I want him inside. He's that tone setter of, of the team, of the game. And the character concerns, I hear it. I hear it. And you guys are right. There, There's the possibility for him to fall in the draft because of those character concerns. But, you know, Tyreek Hill had character concerns, too. OK, and people winning cures a lot. It just does. Uh, the Broncos have character concerns right now with their running back and linebacker. So um, does George Payton want to take on another character concern? Maybe not. I mean, so you guys could be completely right about that. But for me, this guy is just a heck of an athlete. And it would be a shame to see him uh, go past number nine and see the Broncos pass him by. But J.C. Horn, this is a name I want Broncos country to get familiar with because he's not Patrick Sertain and he's not Caleb Farley. I think that there's going to be a run on cornerbacks um, just because Patrick Sertain second and Caleb Farley are so well coveted. Uh, I think J.C. Horn could be the third best corner in this first round. I like J.C. Horn as a fast, fluid athlete. He's got good knowledge of routes. 
Um, that good knowledge of the routes can sometimes help him prevent wide receiver separation, which I like, but he does have a lot of tackling concerns, something that we know Vic Fangio doesn't like, but you know, I'm not so sure Vic Fangio is the one making the picks here. It sounds like George Payton's making those picks. So, uh, I think there's a shot for JC Horn there. And much like the rest of you, I like Zach Wilson. Uh, he seems to be one of the hottest quarterback candidates out there right now. He's athletic. He's mobile. He evades pressure both in and outside of the pocket. He's very accurate. But when you go back and you watch that Boca Raton Bowl, uh, a few things stand out, obviously. The deep post routes. I think there was a go route versus UCF that I really liked. Um, just some NFL throws that you're starting to see on film when you start to go through Zach Wilson. But just like Zach Kelberman said, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, he's heating up. He's really heating up. I mean, you saw in DJ's draft today, Daniel Jeremiah, that he went as the number one quarterback after Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Uh, so Patrick Sertain II, talk to you guys about him. Alabama, 6'2", 202 pounds, junior, very, very physical. Another one of those legacy players, just like J.C. Horn. So obviously something to prove there. Very, very disciplined. I like his intelligence. I like his football IQ, and I like his work ethic. The guy loves to study film. He's a film rat as well, and uh, he could really thrive in a zone-heavy scheme. Quiddy Pay. Uh, I was falling over all over myself when Carl was talking about Quiddy Pay because I like Quiddy Pay a lot too. Uh, I think this guy's a good guy. I think he comes from a good family. He's internally driven as a Liberian immigrant. Um, he's really made the most out of every opportunity that's been given to him by his mother and his siblings. Um, he fights, he scratches, and he claws to get what he wants. Is he the most athletic pass rusher? No, but he's that power pass rusher that you're starting to see more and more of in the NFL. More like a, I'm not going to call him Khalil Mack, but you don't see Khalil Mack doing the same bends that Von Miller does, right? So you can kind of see a lot of raw talent there with Quiddy Bay. Uh, he is hands down the best edge container in college football, just like Carl said. I mean, if you want containment, He's your guy. I think with some coaching, he can definitely become much more of a pass rusher as opposed to just the bull rush and let's try to run over everybody because that doesn't work in the NFL. So I'd like to see him come into the league and become a little bit more of a specialist and uh, get some coaching from the Denver Broncos. Good stuff. Eric, any uh, insights on, on Luke's list of five? I'm actually really glad that he put J.C. Horn on there. He was one that I debated about putting on mine. And while I don't like him in a off-zone scheme, there Vic Fangio, he changed it up a little bit this year towards the end of the season, about middle of the season, and started using a little bit more off-man. And if he sticks with that off-man going forward, Horn, I really like his fit within the Broncos scheme. And I think that he can do all right if they go back to off-zone. I really like Horn. I like the tenacity that he brings challenging the catch points. I'm glad somebody put it on, put him on there because he deserves to be talked about. Well, and I had to ask Eric about there's so there's two corners out of South Carolina and just a quick peek behind the curtain. I had to ask Eric before the show started, what's the name of the second corner? And I think he told me it was Israel Mukwamu. And scouting community, it's this guy, JC Horn is the better of the two right now. If you really dive deep and I just I think he's worth knowing if you're a Broncos fan. All right, we're going to get to Zach and myself, our five guys, just real quick. We've had some <clears throat> very patient, extremely patient Super Chat superstars waiting. I just want to grab a couple real quick. John, I'm going to grab here um, Jason Christopher jumping in. Appreciate this. 
Uh, he says, could the Broncos potentially add some offensive depth through the draft, specifically at tight end, just in case Fant or Alberto get banged up? Now, Eric, I want you to answer this one real quick, kind of succinctly. Uh, and then, John, I want you – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Zach's five guys. As, as we get to Zach's five guys, start going through – not the not, not necessarily the supers that are questions, but some that are just statements or or reactions. Get those ones queued up, and then we'll get the questions at the end. But Eric, your thoughts there on on Jason Super? Um, I I don't think that Denver will look at tight end just with Pat Shermer's history with them. I think that they should if they really are rolling it back with Locke, then they got to do what they can to make him be successful. And running with two tight end sets was what made him so successful, or when he saw success this last year. Nick Vanette, he started to come around towards the end of the season, but you can definitely upgrade there. Albert Benam, I still have a lot of concerns about his blocking. I know many others who do, a couple of them within the Broncos coaching staff as well that I've talked to. And Andrew Beck, he's the blocker, but he's lacking that receiver. Those two, I think, are fighting it out for that number three, number four tight end spot, depending on the order. I would definitely be looking at trying to upgrade over that number two tight end spot, cutting bait with Nick Vanette, trying to get a little bit cheaper, getting a little bit young, younger there. Um, but I, I don't think they will. I just don't. All right, let's get to Zach's five guys, my partner on the Huddle Up podcast. Let me just read these off for posterity to our pod listeners. Zach's guys, Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm going to say JOK, but here I go. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Nailed it. Nice. That was the right way to say it. And uh, Zayvon Collins, a linebacker from UCLA. So, Zach, just talk about your five guys, how you see them fitting, why they're your guys for the Broncos at nine. Well, let me have a few prefaces to get out of the way first. I mean, I- I'm going to leave some of the technical details aside for the interest of time. I mean, I defer to the draft experts we have here. I'm going to talk more about the fit for the Broncos. Also, I don't see George Payton trading up. So, you know, what we aim to do here is not what we want the Broncos to do. It's what we think the Broncos will do. I don't think he will trade up George Payton. I do think he might trade down, though, and stockpile draft picks. And if that's the case, someone like Collins could make sense in the teens, maybe the, the high 20s. This is a guy who could be a Swiss Army knife at linebacker. He can play inside, play outside. They've tried that kind of, you know, that, that dimebacker kind of role the last couple of years. They tried with Mark Bear, never got a snap in. Tried it with Sua Cravens, that was a bust. They even tried it with uh, Will Park, didn't really work out. He would give the Broncos that dynamic ability in the middle of the defense, or in in case Von Miller does depart this offseason, he'd be a built-in replacement opposite Bradley Chubb. But that's a guy, really, he would have to have a terrific pre-draft process to climb to the top 10. So that is, if there's one trade-out option, it would be that guy. Um, in terms of Sertan, I agree with some of the comments that other people have made, including our readers and our viewers. He is not Caleb Farley. He has some issues. You might not think he's a great scheme for, for Vic Fangio, but the simple truth is this. The Broncos need cornerbacks this offseason, plural. And I think, I believe as Luke who mentioned, uh, all the injury concerns like Bryce Callahan, Duke, uh, Duke Dawson even, uh, saying Bassey, I think A.J. Boye is gone. You can't rely on Callahan, and you can't really rely on Ojemudia to be a cornerback one or cornerback two just yet. So if Sertan's there and they have enough conviction, they have that Donatel, they have Vic Fangio, they sign off, I'd be okay with it. JOK, um, this is a guy I would not take over Micah Parsons. I, I do think he's not as polished of a product as a day one starter as a Micah Parsons, but I do think he's a little better in coverage. 
And I can speak for everyone on this little dais right now. I am so tired of the Broncos struggling to cover running backs and tight ends. I've seen it for five seasons in a row now. They have to have that guy who can win in coverage one-on-one, and JOK is that guy. So he might he's a riser in my opinion. That's a guy who's going to climb up the draft board when it's all said and done. Would not mind him at nine. I mean, what more does there to say about Caleb Farley? I think he's obviously far and away the best cornerback in this draft class. And again, the Broncos desperately need cornerbacks. I know Fangio's had some aversion to him, uh, you know, drafting cornerbacks high up in the first round, but it's not really his call. I think George Payton recognizes the gravity of the situation. And if Farley's there, I think he has to be the pick. But here's what I want to say about Michael Parsons. And I want to disagree a little bit with some of the concerns First of all, I don't really care about the guys who opted out so much. If you can play, you can play. And the Broncos being a non-playoff team, being so irrelevant, they need talent. And I'm willing to overlook certain red flags, certain character concerns. I know uh, Eric mentioned Ruben Foster, but tell me from a talent perspective, guys, you wouldn't want a Ruben Foster in this Broncos defense. You know, in between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. In the best case scenario, you mentioned Warren Sapp. Red flags, character concerns. I mean, how about Laramie Tunsil? Ten minutes before the draft started, a video surfaced of him smoking weed out of a bomb, we think, allegedly. Didn't ruin his draft stock, went in the first round. How about Dalvin Cook with the Vikings? George Payton mm-hmm. helped draft him. He had red flags coming out of Florida State. Still a first-rounder. So if you can play, you can put it on film. I'm not worried about opt-outs. I'm not worried about Character concerns, I want the best player for this defense. And for the reasons that a bunch of people laid out, Micah Parsons is the best linebacker in this draft class. There is some concerns about his coverage ability, but he's solid against the run. I I believe he's a total package at linebacker. And again, I'm so tired of the Broncos getting by with the Josie Jewels and the Todd Davises and the broken down Brandon Marshalls. It's high time for the Broncos mm-hmm. to move toward the light in the NFL. It's a young man's business. It's a speed business. You have to cover tight ends. It's a passing league. Micah Parsons would look dope between Vaughn and Bradley Chubb. Lance, I know you had something to say in uh, in terms of some insights on Zach's list. You're muted, my brother. There you I go. I got you. Uh, so the, the the first thing I want to touch on is just Patrick Sertan for a minute. And as Eric said with J.C. Horn, if the Broncos do play in some off-man coverage like they did over the course of the lat- latter half of the season, uh, Sertan actually does fit a lot. I like his turn and run ability a little bit, but he's better in press man, and he's going to be a lot better in, as a cover three cornerback. He's going to be a lot better with his hips turned laterally off the ball and turn and run that way rather than – get up in inside of a guy's chest plate and press and stuff like that, and then turn and run. I don't think he has a hip fluidity. He has the athleticism to be able to turn and run with people, but the hip fluidity is the biggest thing to me. He can fit in the Broncos scheme if they want to play off man, but it's not going to be the best fit to me. And that's why I don't have him on my list. And I just, I just want to say this is that Vic Fangio has made it very well known that especially at corner, he drafts for the scheme fit. That is the first and foremost. That is the biggest thing. He drafts for the scheme fit, and he's gonna have he's gonna have a, uh, a voice this year in when they draft for his corners. Because I know that Vic Vangel, he may not be here past this year, but you can't sit there and you can't draft talent that doesn't fit the current scheme. You, you got to do that. And Vic Vangel, he's gonna be voicing his opinion on these guys. If Vic, if he now, if he thinks that he can make certain fit in this scheme, then we'll see what happens. But it's just you got to factor in scheme fit. Cornerback and offensive line, they're the two positions that it matters the most. I would say safety, too. 
because the yeah. coverage you're running is like super big. Like what Fangio does with safety is completely different than what Wade Phillips did with safety. I mean, you have got two guys playing double high shells versus the single high and the, the kind of box guy. So, yeah. I wanted to get also Nick and Carl. It's been a second since we heard from Carl, your thoughts on JOK, who of course made the list there from, from Zach and Nick, you had a really good write up. I can't remember who picked him in the mock that what the mock. you Tommy Shea. Right, right, right. Really interesting uh, write-up. You kind of dove in on on the dude's skill sets, but for our listeners who might not be sure about JOK, I'm going to put I'm going to put this back up on on the screen just for a sec so people get a visual. Talk a little bit about Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I really like his game. He has a good processor, and he has probably the best speed of anybody playing at the second level. I just do not think he is a stack linebacker at the next level. I don't think you want him taking on bodies, especially in a scheme with limited down linemen. And uh, that's what Vic Fangio has done. Now, granted, you have Will Parks. They did bring in Mark Barron. Those guys were a little bit more niche players. You know, it's, it's, there's a big difference when you're bringing in a guy for whatever the contract one-year deal was with Mark Barron versus investing in the number nine overall pick on a guy. So I really like Jeremiah Usukormoa in a 4-3 defense where he can kind of play more of a strong safety slash will role and utilize him much more in a robber or a blitzing uh, off the edge because that's where I think he wins. As far as the Vic Fangio defense, uh, I mean, he if you want to bring him in and you say this is our chess piece answer to going up against Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey because, I mean, while the Broncos have struggled against tight ends, you, any team would struggle against tight ends when you're going against those two four games a year. I mean, it's just there. there's nobody who guards them. There's not a single linebacker who can do that one-on-one. Uh, but as far as a package and an overall skill set, if you're saying we are not going to contend in the AFC West unless you can slow those guys down and have somebody who can cover the hashes on defense on the weak side, then you can make an argument for JOK. I just I don't see it as a clean scheme fit, scheme fit, and that just makes me a little bit tentative with him at nine overall. Carl, your thoughts, and then I want to hear from Luke on this real quick too, and then I'll get to my card and then the super chats. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Nick on that. Of I'm not sure that you're taking a guy at nine just to fit that one role. You need a guy that's going to be an all-around, true three-down guy that you can find ways to, to fully use him. Uh, I mean, you're seeing this last year with Simmons going to Arizona. They have no clue how to use a guy like him. There's a lot of these hybrid players that are entering the, the NFL, and really the only ones that I've seen work are the ones that can play that off-ball linebacker and then be the rush linebacker as well. Uh, I'm thinking of Devin... Um, uh, Devin Smith or not Devin Smith, Bush. Uh, De- Devin, or, yeah, Devin White uh, with Tampa Bay, the way they've been able to use him because he has that athleticism to be able to come downhill. Uh, the guys that have that hybrid role that you're asking them to be coverage and then also try to take on blocks in the run game. It just usually doesn't work because that size gets just washed out after a while. Uh, and so I, I like the player. I really do. And if Broncos take him, I can understand why, because I mean, yeah, you got to stop those tight ends some way, somehow. But I also really like this linebacker class overall. And so there's some guys in the second and third and, and fourth round that uh, that we're going to talk about as we go throughout this whole draft season that I really like for the Broncos that I think can add value. And you can take a guy that's going to be a true three-down player for you earlier. Yeah. Real quick, Luke, shout out to Kathy Lund. Appreciate that. Super chat, my friend. She says, guys, this is a fantastic pod tonight. Great stuff. Appreciate you, Kathy, and your patience. <clears throat> Luke, your thoughts on scheme and how this all fits together. 
Yeah, just real quick, I thought Zach brought up something that's really important. George Payton is drafting here, not Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio could care less about anything that isn't the defense at practice or a little bit of film. This is the same guy that wouldn't watch film evaluation from his players that he inherited when he came onto this team. The same guy that said he wasn't going to the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game or anything because it was, quote, John's baby. So while we can sit here and we can debate about which players fit and which ones don't George Payton he he's a scout man that's that's in his DNA he's gonna identify talent and with Vic Fangio on his one year one year left I don't think I don't anticipate Vic Fangio being here after this next year I don't know how many of you do but when we start to look at well which player fits which scheme I'm not so sure that's gonna matter for George Payton because the Broncos need talent plain and simple all right. The super from Malcolm Brown. Appreciate the super chat, my friend. He says, most gracious of Dove Valley Deep Divers to share airtime with the MHH dudes. Hashtag Eric's Star Wars fun. Eric's got, <laughs> we got a pony up to uh, to increase Eric's Star Wars swag. And what a good time it is for what it's worth to be a a, a Star Wars fan, man. Things are things are finally uh, turning for the positive, in, in my opinion. Now, let me, let me get to mine. I'm going to keep mine brief so that we can dive right into the super chats. And, John... Um, I have basically that first section available to me in the chat. And then from there, you know, it's, it's all you, my friend. So uh, here, here are my five guys real quick. And then I want to get uh, some, some insight guys. Let me know in the, in the DM, anyone who wants to jump on, uh, jump in on this. But the one guy that I kind of like Lance mentioned, we, we submitted our list so that we could get these, these graphics made up well in time for tonight's show quite a while back. And the one guy on here, as much as I really do like him, I, I'm not feeling edge. I'm not, I really, I understand Von Miller's future is a, a little bit up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'd probably do something a little bit different uh, than Aziz Ojulari at, uh, at pick nine. But nevertheless, if he were the pick, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not going to shed any tears. <clears throat> I, I would still be stoked. He's a, he's a great player, but as, as you guys can see from my list here, corners and linebacker, right? That's, that's my focus for the Denver Broncos because like Zach mentioned, I just don't see, George Payton coming in and uh, upsetting the apple cart with regard to the quarterback position too much. That doesn't mean I don't think the Broncos will tinker and bring in a more like a true sense of the word, a true fail safe, meaning a veteran out there that can come in. And if Locke falls on his face or gets hurt again, could competently step in and captain the ship for two, three, four weeks and keep you competitive. So for me, it's about really trying to, you know, it's best player available, yes, but it's best player available at the positions right now that are just screaming need. And as much as I'm on the same plane with Zach as far as going out, you need a true playmaker at linebacker. The Broncos have tried to get by for too long with with kind of the leavings of the undrafted types, you know, accepting Josie, obviously, who was a, a fourth or fifth round pick, whatever he was. I want a dynamic player there, but at the same time, cornerback is just too brutal in terms of it being a concern and a hole. So for me, it goes Caleb Farley, Micah Parsons, uh, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn. And I do like Ojulari, the edge from Georgia, but he would probably be a guy I might bump off here uh, for someone else. So those are my five guys. And as I turn it over to the dudes, um, yeah, Zach, your thoughts on on it's it's corner linebacker heavy for me. Yeah, I, I agree with your list. And Chad, we usually share a brain because we do the pod four days a week. But Aziz, 
I'm going to call him Aziz Ansari at least once. I know. I'm going to just say Aziz. So I think it's a little too rich for my blood taking him at nine. Maybe, like I said, if the Broncos trade down, I I could see him in the 20s. Maybe he'd be a fast riser in the pre-draft process. But I'm with you where I don't think Edge is a dire need. I happen to think Von Miller is coming back. Bradley Chubb had a Pro Bowl season. Say what you want about the Pro Bowl selection. And Malik Reed came out of nowhere to look really, really good in place of Von Miller. Not saying he's a long-term solution, but I would just personally wait on Aziz and on Edge uh, until rounds two or three. All right, let me, let's me let get started and get to as many supers as we can tonight. <clears throat> you know, our tradition here on the Mile High Huddle podcast across the board is we leave no Super Chat superstar out in the cold. So we're at a, an hour and 11 right now. We'll do our best to get to every single one, but we're juggling a lot of different schedules here tonight to have everybody on camera at the same time. So uh, we'll, we'll get to as many as we can, starting with, Boggins. Everyone knows Boggins, bona fide superstar, and also does a lot of help, a lot of grunt work helping us out, I should say, in the Mile High Huddle Superfan Facebook group as a mod, as an admin. So appreciate you, bro. He says, if the Broncos can't get the, uh, any of the top three quarterbacks, uh, Farley or Sewell, right? The, and for those of you who missed it, he didn't show up on any of our cards because I don't think any of us really expect him to be there at nine, let alone is it really in a position you want to draft for the Broncos? Maybe it is, but nevertheless, the left tackle for Oregon, he says they should trade back. If none of those guys are there, Boggan says they should trade back. Positional values, uh, where to go? Sorry, I just lost it. Whoop, wrong one. Uh, where to go? It disappeared off the screen. There he is. Uh, positional values make more sense in the mid to late first this year. So let me go to, to Luke on this. Luke, your reaction to what Boggan said about trading back if you can't get the top three QBs, Farley or Sewell? I can hear Broncos country screaming at Mr. Boggins right now, but let me just caution him for just a second. What Mr. Boggins is suggesting here isn't crazy because what did we all just agree on? You can't definitively say one thing or another in the draft. Who knows what George Payton's going to do? Maybe, you know what? This team is lacking in so many areas. Maybe he wants to stockpile a, a few more picks and possibly move back up into the second round, maybe the late first round, things like that. I don't see it happening just because there are so many positions of need at cornerback and that defensive back room and who knows what's going on with Justin Simmons and all this stuff man I just I can feel Broncos country wanting to riot because you know they've had top 10 picks a handful of times you know the in how many years now but I would caution them just a little bit the talent's there be sure you look at it all right let me grab this super from Isaac Mitchell appreciate your patience my friend he's all about Caleb Farley for the Denver Broncos at pick nine. And that was, I think he and uh, Parsons were probably the most common name mentioned on each one of our five, my guys this evening. And also quick shout out to MHH male model, Muhammad Badri rocking the trucker hat and the hoodie, like a absolute stud. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Um, Love it. All right, so let me see here where we're at, John. It, uh, it's it's going to jump for me here. I'm at about right now. I'm at like six sixteen, and it just jumped. So I, uh, I'll start communicating with you in the DMs, but I'll tell you where we're at looking at it on the back end for our, our superstars. I'm backing it all the way up to when we went live here. We need to get to uh, – tonight we need to get to uh, – oh, went a little too far there. Bear with me one second here. Uh, we need to get to Dylan, Levi, Kenneth in that order. Um, let's grab Dylan. I'm going to go around the horn with these Super Chats guys to each one of the hosts and kind of let them react and then – you know, if, if if one guy says something, someone wants to hop in by all means, but let's try and keep it moving here from Dylan, superstar, MHH Mount Rushmore cat. Love you, Dylan. He says, 
excited to have all these awesome and knowledgeable hosts all together tonight. We really do appreciate that, Dylan. And again, like I say, I mean, if fans had in our great community, if you guys had any idea how much each one of these guys are sick maniacs when it comes to the NFL draft, the amount of time these dudes put into studying the film and, and uh, just being engaged with the scouting community and getting prepared for this time of year, it would blow your minds. Also, we got Levi Hope, who, for what it's worth, has a really cool job. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill the beans, but this cat has a really cool job. Rock, uh, rocking the uh, "Let Him Hate" T-shirt designed by Zachary Smouse. Smouse in the house. Appreciate you, Levi. He says really excited for this one. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate that. Um, as we jump here, let me, let me. Uh, we want to get to the ones, John, like I said, there are more statements, comments, and then we'll get to the actual questions here. Appreciate you, brother. Um, while, while, while we get this set up really quick here, uh, let, me, let me see what well, – One thing that's interesting I noticed with all of our boards is that I think we can all definitively say that Broncos are looking at a cornerback, a linebacker, maybe some D-lineman, edge, and, and quarterback, right? I mean, those are the popular things we're seeing here. So I'm happy to see that we're all on the same page. It tells me that, you know, I, I'm a little more accurate as opposed to the bias uh, from film review because I know you guys are like me. You watch film review, and then you become biased to certain players. Yeah, it's well, kind of it's kind of disappointing for where the Broncos roster is currently set up is because I really don't think this is a very good defensive class overall, especially at the top. And the Broncos are very well set up at wide receiver and tight end. And I think at nine, a guy who one of the guys who could be best player available, Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, and also some guys who are offensive linemen that I mean, the Broncos on paper look pretty deep on the interior. Uh, so you're not looking at maybe as much so a Rashawn Slater or Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm never against adding to the trenches. It's kind of like eating your vegetables. You know, it pays off down the road. But still, it's, it's kind of an interesting spot where the Broncos are in because at nine overall, there are going to be obviously Kyle Pitts, who's probably the best tight end prospect since Vernon Davis, and uh, three really good wide receivers there. And it's just it doesn't match up with where the Broncos are at. All right, let's grab uh, Joey real quick. Appreciate you, Joey. And this is a name that's new to us on Super Chat. So thank you. Appreciate you. Stick around. Make sure you connect with us on on Twitter so that we can shout you out after the show. But he says here, his question is, thoughts on taking a right tackle in round one and who should we be looking at? Carl, it's been a minute since we went to you. Your answer for for Joey here. Well, I, I think, was I the only one that had a tackle in my top five? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I substituted in Sewell just kind of there at the end uh, because Daniel yeah. Jeremiah had him going 10. But yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, th- th- there's a lot of reason to go tackle. Uh, one, obviously, we don't know, James, what he's going to be when he comes back. Garrett Bowles obviously said the guy has to earn the, the trust of the locker room, his teammates back again. And uh, th- this is a pretty good offensive tackle draft, honestly. I mean, re- we could say really good really compared to some of the past drafts. And on top of that, not only knowing with James, it's also looking to the future. That position is getting more and more expensive. I mean, we got guys over $20 million a year at the position and you just paid Garrett Bowles. So now you need to be able to put a guy at that other spot. That's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and still be able to be highly productive. Uh, If you're, if you're passing on quarterback this year, well, there, there's a good chance possibly in 2022 that you're looking at a, a rookie quarterback. It'd be nice for him to have the trust that his two bookend tackles are going to hold up. 
I mean, that, that relieves a lot of stress for a rookie quarterback to have that ability. And, and so for me, I, I think that uh, a tackle is very much in possibility. And I think it would be a good pick, even though they might not play year one. Antonio Aragon, appreciate the super chat, brother. He says, happy to catch this legendary pod. Do you take Parsons, Farley, or Sertan at pick nine? Keep up the great work, guys. Hashtag Broncos country. Uh, John, if you have Meek, get, get Meek back on. I want to shout out Meek. Uh, let's uh, let's have Lance answer this one uh, from Eric, from uh, Antonio. Uh, wait, what? Which which question am I answering here? I think he was asking if you wanted uh, Micah Parsons, Farley, or was it Sertan? Sertan, that yep. trio, yep. Okay, so uh, if it's uh, Micah Parsons, Farley, or Sertan, I'm going Farley all the way. Uh, he's just a, such a better scheme fit there um, to me. Uh, so consistent in his backpedal, a, a very fluid athlete. It, to me, it's it's the scheme fit. And with what Vic Fangio wants to do with his cornerbacks, you're not going to ask a guy <clears> – <throat> like a, a Patrick Sertan to, to jump into this this cover for this match quarter scheme. And Nick and, and Eric and, and Carl know a lot about this too. I, I'm fairly certain Luke does as well. But uh, with what the what the Broncos want to do on the outside, on the boundary, is they want to have a guy that can be able to ride vertically in their backpedal and then click and close on the outside and then be solid tacklers on the outside as well. Uh, where Farley gets me is his lack of technique and his tackling ability, but the hip fluidity and the ability to click and close to put his back foot in the ground and drive forward is such a great aspect and such a great scheme fit for what Vic Fangio wants to do. So if it's between Sertan, Parsons, or Farley there, I'm going Farley all the way. Uh, shout out here to Meek. And the reason I want to shout out Meek, obviously put in a super chat. So we tip our cap to you, my friend. Thank you. But Meek is a guy that has, he watches the podcast every night on YouTube, but he puts it on his TV He's like, hey man, how do I how do I actually comment? How do I chat? How do I get in the conversation? And we went through and, and uh, you know broke it down for him on on Twitter today. So really stoked to see you in the stream today, Meek, and appreciate the super chat. Tonight's going to be a, a little bit tight, but in future, now you know how it works, and you get your questions in, any comments, we'll uh, always keep an eye out for them there, my friend. So I also want to grab this one real quick uh, from Base Gase. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate the super. He says, any thoughts on future collaborations with other Broncos podcasters? like DNVR, Mile High Report, et cetera. Hey, much love to those guys. We got nothing but love for uh, our fellow brethren out there in the Broncos blogosphere, but probably not, just keeping it on on, on Front Street there. Um, let me see what else here we've got. We're having some – here we go. We got one from Kenneth. Is that stable? We're good? All right. Uh, Kenneth, appreciate you, bro. Is there a poor man's Farley later in the draft? Uh, Eric, I know that you've already done a lot of you know deeper study on the class. We'll, we'll talk more about day two and day three, what the plan is as far as a primer for that at the end of the show, and we'll kind of come to a, a decision there. But your thoughts here for Canada, the poor man's Caleb Farley. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that just brings a the, the same kind of trace that he has uh, to the table. I mean, there's obviously other options. I, I think that this cornerback class is not insanely deep, but has pretty good depth to it. So there's other options, but I don't think that there's anyone that I would consider a poor man Farley. Yeah, I'd push back just a little. I think that um, somewhere in the middle, maybe I've heard people say, this is such a great cornerback class like me. And then Eric's like, I'm not so sure. I think maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, I was talking a little bit on the pod before 
uh, last Saturday with Nick, man. I like Elijah Molden out of Washington a lot. Um, you're going to start seeing some of these cats, you know, in later rounds, Eric, as you know, and, and Chad, you too. But uh, there's tons of names out there, guys. I mean, Trey Brown, Brian Mills. There's lots of cornerbacks that are raw. They're young and they're unheralded. So keep an eye out for some of those names. You're hearing all the big ones now, right, with Farley Sertan and everybody like that. But don't sleep on those second and third rounders because they're coming. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, go ahead. Eric. I just wanted to throw something out there. It's like, yeah, about for me, the depth of the class kind of ends right around that end of third, middle fourth yeah. round. And Elijah Molden, man, I-, I love him. I love what he brings. Me too, man. See, Nick, <laughs> I told you you were wrong. <laughs> I like him. I just, he's, he's, he's a plot. Um, he's, a guy, if you're talking, I think there actually might be a poor man's uh, Caleb Farley. Now, obviously, you're not going to get the total package of tools, but I, somebody who I think is pretty low right now that not a lot of people are talking about is Ifetu Melifanwu, who uh, yes. you guys might recognize yes. that name uh, from Obi Melifanwu's older brother. He busted, but he broke combine records. And uh, if I think Ifetu is like 6'3", and he's going to test pretty well. So we're talking, again, we're talking poor man, so it's it's a stretch either way. Uh, but he's one I'd keep my eye out for. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe pushes his way into the top 40, but there are some questions there. So oh, I'm talking about him being top 40. Like, there's a I, lot of talk about him being top 40. He's, yeah, he's good. He's okay. a great athlete. The, 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 the biggest thing to me, and it, it goes back to what I said about Joseph Osai, is the versatility. I, and he can play cornerback, but I think he can draw back and play some safety as well. He's a very good tackler, very lengthy. He gets his hands on a lot of footballs, man. If you ought to, it, how do you say If you too, if you ought to. Or Malifanu, I love that kid out of Syracuse. Love him a lot. That's that's a guy I'm really keeping my eye on right now. All right, let's get to Kenneth's other super. He says, "Who's the dream safety to draft in the third round? Isn't that where Chin ended up going this last draft in the third round to the Panthers? Mid second, second. But who's that kind of guy for Kenneth here in the third round? I don't really like the safety class overall. I think there are some what? guys here, but yeah, I'm sorry. I just I think it's pretty lacking overall. I mean, I would there shouldn't be one that's probably taken in the first round. Uh, I like." Morig from uh, TCU. A guy that I like probably the most for the Broncos is uh, Joshua Bledsoe, just because he shows some uh, too deep shells and slot ability. But uh, overall, I'm not a big fan of the safety class. I honestly think if Broncos are looking to add there, maybe kind of a, a scrap heap, lower free agent type kind of guy to bring in. Disagree firmly. Richie Grant is that dude. Richie Grant is my guy for the Broncos in the third round at the safety position. I love him. I think he's a he's a, a lighter version of Kareem Jackson, and he's a very physical tackler. There's some issues with him tackling. There's some issues with him dropping back. He's some flat-footed at times. But, man, if you can get him and get him to grow in Vic Fangio's defense, Richie Grant is going to be spectacular for the Broncos' defense. Isaiah, appreciate that super chat, my friend. He says – it's got to be Sertan, Farley, or Parsons, or bust, right? If these guys are gone, we got to trade back and accumulate picks. Thoughts, fellas? Hashtag MHH. Uh, fam, appreciate that, Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's those those three names were probably the three most common themes here. If the Broncos were of a mind uh, to trade back and those guys aren't on the board, I guess it's definitely possible, Carl. Uh, well, I, I mean, if we're going non-quarterback, yes, those are the names. Uh, but uh, you can't dismiss quarterback. That, that's the most important position on the field. And I know some will say Drew Locke really improved there at the end of the season. And uh, and he had some decent moments. Uh, I'd say his footwork was still all over the board. Uh, but still, quarterback always has to be the choice if you do not have a quarterback. And Drew Locke played like a bottom five quarterback. You need something better, especially in the AFC West, where you've got maybe three top ten quarterbacks in the division itself. 
depending on where you rank Derek Carr. And you're not going to make it anywhere, even with an average quarterback in this in this division. John, oh, we got Meek again. Now he's he's see he's figuring this yeah. out. It's intuitive, dog. It's it's great having you in the conversation. He says, I, "I've seen the Lance tape. I think we'd regret it." I'm trying to remember who had Lance. I know Carl. Who else had Lance? Oh, it was it was Zach. Zach, you haven't talked for a second. Uh, no, did you have? Lance? I didn't have Lance. No, Nick. Nick, did you have Lance? I know you like. I think Lance. it was just Carl. Carl just had him, but I had all three of the non-Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks that I – I mean, if you're in the top ten and you love one of those guys, go get him. It's that simple. Uh, I want to say something to the previous question, though. I don't think it's a certainty. I don't want that notion to be out there that if those three players are off the board, they're going to have to trade back or it's – you know, they could still take JOK. They could still take Collins. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to pigeonhole the Broncos as a definite trade back candidate, but to piggyback on a previous question, they're a lot more likely to trade back than trade up. George Payton literally told you himself. He said the more darts you have, the better chance you have to hit the dartboard. That doesn't say it. I don't know what does. All right, we got to move quick. We're at an hour 27. Let's try and rapid fire these remaining supers and uh, take care of our stars here. BG, as we like to call him on our show, appreciate you, brother, longtime listener. MHH, Mount Rushmore, Kent. This guy's been there from day one. Love you, buddy. He says, if we pick at nine, what pick do each of you guys want the most? Well, listen, BG, we went through the draft cards. I'm going to, I mean, we, we can list them off here, but I mean, I'll, I'll keep it right now with with Eric, the senior draft analyst. Who's who are you yearning for? Number one, I know we just went through the card, but push came to shove, and you had, you know, you, you could pull the trigger. Who's it going to be? So, would this be a guy that I would pick the tr- pull the trigger on, yeah. or who you're wanting? I would pull the trigger on Kyle Pitts if he's there. Go with that two tight end sets. Sell out to try to make Locke the best he can be. Man, Pitts and Noah Fant with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton coming back. If Drew Locke doesn't have this huge step forward, then he definitely isn't the guy. And whoever you come bring to come in and replace him, he has all these weapons to sit there and play with. All right, base case again. Appreciate your brother. He says thoughts on the running backs. I like Gainwell, Javante Williams. Who are your favorite mid-round running backs? Base case out. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, who wants to speak about this running back class? Go ahead, Luke. I like Chuba Hubbard myself. I don't know how mid-round he's going to be. You know, it could be second, it could be third. Still premium pick. Um, I'm just going to bother. I could see Nick Kendall getting mad at me already right now talking about running backs here because he loves them so much. But uh, I like Chuba Hubbard a lot, man. I think he runs with a lot of uh, gravity between his legs. Uh, they obviously – watch what the Broncos do, not what they say. They obviously don't love Philip Lindsay. Otherwise, he would have been paid. Uh it's just one of those things for me where Melvin Gordon, he's got all kinds of issues. You're trying to figure out something there. Royce Freeman, man, that story's been written or not written, either way you want to look at it. But I think this is a really important super chat to look at because uh, running back, I think, is something that's definitely a possibility for the Broncos in the mid rounds or even in the late rounds. Shout out to Steve. Appreciate that super chat, my friend. Also, longtime superstar. Love you, buddy. Um, we also got one here. Let me let me grab this from Black Knight that speaks to this. Anyone who wants to talk more on running backs while well, we got only a couple minutes left here. Jeremy, appreciate you, my friend. I'm going to be in touch with you tomorrow, by the way, Jeremy. Uh, he says, if Lindsey leaves, do you see the Broncos drafting Najee Harris? Lance, go ahead. I know you're, you're shaking your head. Go uh, drop some knowledge. 
No, uh, I really don't see them drafting Najee Harris. He's going to be too high up on the the list of priorities as far as the as far as the drafts concerned. He's probably going to end up at the tail end of the first round, early second round. The Broncos des- don't necessarily need to go that direction. I understand you've got Melvin Gordon uh, on the potential the potential suspension there, Philip Lindsay and, and whatnot like that. I, I like Chuba Hubbard as well. Uh, Trey Sturman is a guy that I like. Um, but if they're not going to bring back Philip Lindsay, Javian Hawkins out of Louisville, that's a lightning jitterbug wide receiver style scat back out of the backfield. And that's the true receiver that the Broncos need to add to this offense. Javian Hawkins in the fifth round-ish area, that's where I would be looking at. I'm looking here. Did we get this, Kenneth? Oh no, we didn't. This is a new one from Kenneth. <clears throat> I think this is the last one, John, and then we're we're out. From Kenneth Booker, love you, buddy. Would you consider drafting uh, Jalen Darden to replace Spencer in the later rounds? Who wants to address that one? I love Darden, man. He's explosive. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about probably a mid to late round three guy at that point. You know, who cares what the wide receiver room is right now? You're just looking to get the best player there that can make a difference. And while Spencer's been solid, uh, Darden flies. He's cheaper. And uh, if you can do that, you, you especially with how good this wide receiver class is, I could see him being pushed down a bit. Uh, very small. You might be able to get like a guy like Jakeem Grant on the open market this year, given how his contract's set up with Miami. But still, I mean, if you need a speed guy and you're looking to re- replace Deion Spencer, I, Darden has got the Jets, man. He can fly. You another can have great a lot of fun on offense with Darden and KJ Hamlin. Yes. Well, and yeah. another great question, just because I think Spencer's time is running short here as well. I mean, with Tyree yeah. Cleveland and the emergence of him towards the end of the season, I mean, why isn't that guy returning punts? Why isn't he the kick returner? I mean, it's a great question because Broncos country clearly knows where the needs are on this football team. Uh, Brandon Reagan. We'll take this last super chat, and then there's one from uh, KHOP16 on YouTube. And then, guys, we, we got to get out of here. But, uh, Brandon, thank you, my friend. He says, if we draft Kyle Pitts, maybe it's not what we need on paper, but maybe it could be what Denver needs to be our Gronk. I'm not feeling that in the first round, just considering the, you know, the freaking absolute arsenal they have at the skill positions. Maybe you guys have some questions at wide receiver, but – when you get all these guys back healthy in 2021, I mean, regardless of who the quarterback is, you're running and gunning. Well, he's I, not I think, a big – go ahead, Carl. I, I was going to say my, my one issue with Pitts is a lot of what you're hoping to get out of Fant is what you would hope to get out of out of Pitts as well. Um, they're not really the, the perfect mesh of tight ends, of one being that inline tight end, the other being more of that wide out slash tight end kind of tight end. Uh, they're both more kind of that wide receiver option. And, and so that, that's my one issue. They're both stars. And so you'd find a way to use them and, and you could have one going on the shallow routes, one going on the deep routes and good luck to anybody that tries to cover that. And then of course, goal line, that should be a touchdown every single time. Just throw it up to one of those guys and let them come down with it. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I love Pitts. He, he's my favorite tight end that I've probably watched in the last five, six years of the draft easily. I don't think it's even close, uh, but yeah, that's the one thing right there that I think would just be a little bit of an issue. I think they both offer up enough of a blocking ability to have them not be maybe the best option, but have it work and be effective with one of them as the inline guy. Hot take Pitts would replace Cortland Sutton on the boundary because he's that level. Oh, of Oh man. Okay. I mean, he is a freak. I mean, I'm just playing Madden over here, but I mean, that's he's, he's different. Listen, if as I, long as the Broncos don't select another Big Ten tight end that's going to get hurt and spend the rest of their career in the injury room, <laughs> we'll be okay. 
You're lucky that Jimmy Ruckert didn't come out because that would have been my guy. I love Ruckert. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, K-Hop16, I know he he says, I know I've asked this to to Zach and Chad, uh, but what do the rest of you guys think about Asante Samuel Jr. and Daniel Falali? I I botched it again. Eric, I know you you featured him in one of your articles, so talk about uh, Daniel and then someone about Asante, and then uh, we got one more from Meek, and then we really do got to get out of here. I absolutely love Daniel Falalele out of Minnesota. I mean, you just don't see many guys that are built like him. He's six foot nine, four hundred pounds, and he's so well built. He's one of those guys that you really want off the the bus first. And you look at somebody that size, and you don't expect him to have the movement skills and the athleticism that he does. He's still very new to football. He's still learning the position. And after seeing what Mike Munchak was able to do with Garrett Bowles, I would be I'd be super excited to see what he could sit there and do with Daniel Falalele. I would love him. He would fit that mold of what I think Denver may be looking for on the offensive line, a developmental backup option to replace Jawan James either this year if he's if he doesn't play more than 63 snaps or whatever, or even after whenever they let him go. Uh, I, I love Daniel Fa'alele. I would love him in Denver. Who wants to talk about Asante Samuel Jr.? I mean, he's fun. I feel like you got a bunch of kind of slot cornerbacks already. Are you going to really invest a second-round pick in a guy who's playing the same position where Bryce Callahan is the best at. I, I mean, if he's your guy and you love him and he impresses you in the interviews, then heck go for it. I love the tenacity. He's a good player. I just, this team is really, they have a much bigger need and a more valuable need at the boundary corner spot than Asante Samuel in the slot. Yeah, I agree Asante with Samuel that. Jr. All right, guys, we got to get this last one and then uh, dip out Meek. Thanks again, my friend. So great to have you in the chat. He says, how do you feel about us bringing in Malik Hooker? or Reuben Foster from free agency. Um, Zach, you haven't talked for a minute. What are your thoughts on either one of those guys? Well, we know Eric wouldn't like Reuben Foster, but I don't think they're going to touch him. I think he would be more prone to draft an inside linebacker. And for my money, I'd rather them draft a safety as well. Malik Hooker, I don't know. I I mean, he never lived up to the potential of what he should have been coming into the NFL. If there's one free agent the Broncos could sign, it could be Anthony Harris from Minnesota. I mean, obviously the George Payton connection. If Justin Simmons does walk, that's an easy replacement. He does play free safety, though. They have a question also. We had strong safety with Kareem Jackson. I'd rather, though, them just kind of bypass free agency and use the draft to address secondary at cornerback and safety. Before we get out of here, I just want to say good job to everybody not having a running back in your top five. You guys can all take <laughs> about it. next year yeah. for the draft cycle. I see a lot of people talking about Najee Harris now. Uh, I think he reminds me a lot of Matt Forte, but, uh, you know, running back first round, it does not work out very often. Kylan Hill running back one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We got to wrap it up. Guys, thanks so much. I mean, listen to our entire audience, so many who have been with us tonight. Uh, live, and then also, of course, so many of you that are going to be listening after the fact on demand, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, or if you rewatch this on YouTube. Our biggest goal here today was to give to, to just kind of get you. It's like NFL draft orientation. We want you to start getting a beat on who some of the names and players are and the, and the fits for the Broncos, and just kind of get a, a lay of the land so that when you start getting to other podcasts, you know this is a seven days a week thing for us. We we have a live stream pod seven days a week. We're going to start dropping names. We want you to feel like you have at least a comfort, some kind of a comfortability with the first round. Now, the second, uh, we'll say day two, day three, stay tuned because we're going to unveil some plans for primer on that, and we'll let you know what our plans are. But we do plan on getting to all that as well and trying to get you as dialed in as possible to the 2021 
draft class. So in the meantime, guys, you can make sure you're, you're following every one of these guys by following at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. I'm going to go through and call out each guy's Twitter account before we dip out of here. But trust, right now with, with draft season officially launched, it is on. we got the Senior Bowl next week. Luke's going to be there. You want to make sure you're following all of these draft analysts so you are plugged in, dialed in, and connected. Because as Zach and I talk about so often on our show, we there's there's two opportunities to keep the conversation going outside of these live streams. That's by connecting with us on social media and by going to the site, milehighhuddle.com, and commenting on every single article. We want to hear your takes. We want your opinions. We want that feedback. So keep that going. Follow on Twitter at milehighhuddle. Also, shout out, guys. Go get your 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using that code HUDDLE. And then last thing, guys, got to plug it. On Sunday is episode three of Kelberman's Corner. If you want in on that, you got to become a Facebook supporter. Easy to do. Open up the app or go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Find our page. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. You are in like Flynn. Not only are we doing Kelberman's Corner, and that's going to continue, but we're going to be rolling out additional shows that are going to involve this entire staff as we get and march deeper into 2021, including some fun draft stuff coming down the pike. So get in right now while the while it's easy to get in and become a supporter on Facebook. All right, guys, real quick, I want to sign us off here uh, by let me see if this works. I've, I've never actually tried this. Let me let me do this. Let's see how this works. All right, there he is. You can see him on screen. He's like, whoa, Eric Trickle. Follow him on Twitter at Eric Trickle. Good job tonight, my brother. His partner on Dove Valley Deep Divers, Lance Sanderson. Follow him on Twitter at Sanderson MHH. Uh, Nick Kendall, a co-host of both Building the Broncos and Mile High Insiders. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, MHH. And then I got to dip down over here and grab his partner, Carl Dummler, at Carl Dummler, MHH, his co-host on Building the Broncos. Also, we got Luke Patterson, co-host of Mile High Insiders. And again, Luke's hitting the road Sunday. He's hopping in an airplane. He's going to fly into, into uh, you know, the I guess Georgia first, and then you're going to end up in Mobile. But he's going to be there all week for the senior bowl. And we're going to have him, excuse me, on each and every show next week. So we'll have a little segment to find out what, what the buzz is at the senior bowl. Follow him on Twitter, the Luke Patterson at Luke Patterson LP. And then my partner, of course, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, let him (laughs) at Kelberman NFL. And you can find me at Chad and Jensen. So boys, good job tonight. Shout out to John and on the back. keeping things moving. Good job, John. Buona beast. Oh, you know what? Before I forget, how could I forget? I just want to throw this out there. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it. Dang it. It's too late. It's too late in the game. John submitted his five guys. So when, when Zach and I come on Sunday night, John, be ready. We're going to talk about that. But We'll get that on Saturday show of MHI too tomorrow. All right. There you go. Guys, we got to go though. So don't forget to subscribe, especially crucial on YouTube and whatever you're, if you're listening after the fact on demand, whatever that preferred platform is, smash subscribe, smash the like button before you dip on out of here. And if we did a good job for you tonight, The litmus test for us to know is whether or not you're sharing this content out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. So for for my partner, Zach, for all the MHH guys here tonight, thank you for joining us. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll catch you tomorrow for Mile High Insiders. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 